We are going to be in Ephesians 1 and 2 today. We're going to start off in 2. So um, it's, I'm glad Seth was kind enough to give me that. It's kind of like falling out of a boat and hitting the water, um, preaching the gospel in Ephesians 2. Um, and I, I put some flowers up there because it's, you know, it's peaceful. It's nice. Jesus is peace. So um, we're going to start off. Uh, there's three. I, got, I broke it up in three parts because, you know, why not? Let's just go Southern Baptist and keep it that way. Um, but there's no poem. Um, because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, believers are no longer dead in their sins. That's some good news. Uh, because uh, Christ is the Prince of Peace, we're no longer children of wrath, and we have peace with God and His church. And the third point is, because Christ is the Prince of Peace, we get it all. So, um, let's start off with Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through um, 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the way of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature uh, children under wrath, as others were also. But God, he showed up, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we are dead in trespasses. You were saved by grace. He also raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith and not from yourselves, it is, the, uh, yeah, yeah, not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So, uh, kind of a good news, bad news situation there, right? I, even in my notes, I made it like red and green, you know, stop, go, first part. So, let's start with the bad news. I always like that first, anyways. Uh, the bad news is that you're dead. Um, I mean, to say you walk around, you move your arms, you, you go through life, as it were. Um, but effectively, you're dead and eternally, spiritually dead. So that's not a great state to be in. Um, and uh, we see this in other Paul's writings, uh, Romans 3.23, for all of sin, fallen short of the glory of God, right? And uh, the wages of sin are death, 6.23. Romans 3.10.12, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Not a lot of hope in those words, right? Like, you're not, you're not such a great person if you read that. Um, I recall an illustration. Um, it was a really old one. Uh, William Booth was the guy that started the Salvation Army. Uh, and nothing against Salvation Army or William Booth. Uh, it's just he had a sermon I listened to, and he had this illustration in it. And the longer it went on, the more I had problems with it. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it, it kind of it goes off like this. Uh, you, you imagine, right, there, there's an ocean, dark and foreboding, and an ominous sky with red lightning striking this massive waves are just moving. On the left, you see like obsidian structures of rocks, right? And just waves just crashing against it. And um, there are people just in the water, 
flailing about, desperate, saying, save me, save me, right? And they're just, they're just trying. They're just trying to make it to shore, and they're out there. They're just drowning, right? And just a sea of them. And on the shore, you see a few small people taking whatever structure they have, uh, wood, rope, and desperately trying to grab these people out of the water. And, I mean, I mean they're, they're working for it. And, and they're, they're trying to get them out. And, but they're just drowning. And, and every once in a while, one gets lucky and they, they snag one out of it, right? The problem with that illustration is that it, it's wrong. Like, it's, it's nothing... It's nothing what you just, I just read Romans, right? Where, where were you doing? You, oh, you weren't seeking God. You didn't understand. You didn't want nothing to do with them, right? So I think of, I want to, the Caleb version of this illustration. So let's go with that. You see a sea, dark and foreboding, right? And ominous clouds out there. Red crimson lightnings cracking on the ocean, right? And it's just, it's just a torrent of all torrents of all time. Obsidian rock structures just off on the left. And you see nobody. You see nothing. There's just water. And then you go down 100 meters, and you notice it's a lot calmer down here. It's not, it's not, not bad. So you're in your little submarine going down. It's 1,000 meters, and now there's no more light shining anywhere, right? Because light can't go past 1,000 meters. A little science fact for you. And water. And so you keep going down, and you finally get to the bottom. And there, like little Alvin the submarine flips on his light, at the bottom of the ocean is all of humanity spread out, gently rocking back and forth, dead. That's how God finds you. That's where you're at. All right? You weren't flailing about. You weren't saying, please help me. Right? He initiated your salvation. So... Um, so that's what it's like to be dead in your sins. Like, you, you got no hope. You're at the bottom, and that's, and that's it. My wife's smiling at me. There's another kind of dead, so let's not stop there. You're dead in Adam. So two types of dead. So just so that we can really, literally drive it home. Um, we're physically alive in some sense because of Adam, right? Like, yeah, I didn't get here, right? Like, I didn't wake up and, like, I will be, right? And then... Poof, Caleb has, there's no self-made men, there's no self-made women. You have a father, you have a mother. They had a father, they had a mother. That lineage is happening all the way down to Adam. Um, we, and we could really, eh, well, let's skip that one. So I got a quote here um, from Watchman Nee in his book, The Normal Christian Life. He's a Chinese man. Um, I, th- I think it was about the 30s or 40s he wrote this book. Um, and he says, my name is Nee. I'm saying this because I think it drives the point of being an Adam. Um, It's a fairly common Chinese name. How did I come by it? I did not choose it. I did not go through the list of possible Chinese names and select this one. That my name is Ni, in fact, is not my doing at all. And moreover, nothing I can do can alter it. I am Ni because my father was a Ni. And my, I gotta stop looking up. I'm gonna keep listening track. Because my, uh, my father was a knee because my grandfather was a knee. If I act like a knee, I am a knee. And if I act unlike a knee, I am a knee. Uh, if I become uh, the president of the Chinese Republic, I am a knee. Or if I become a beggar in the streets, I'm still a knee. There's nothing I do or refrain from doing that will make me other than a knee. You can replace that word knee with Adam, right? 
you are still an atom. You can, you can just like work real hard, you're still an atom, right? You can't be anything but those things. He goes on. Um, there's another quote, but here's our problem. Man, you're on it. Good job. Uh, we are born sinners. Then how can we cut off this sinful heredity? Great question. All right. Seeing that we're born in Adam, how can we get out of Adam? There is only one way. Since we came by birth, we must go out by death. To do away with our sinfulness, we must do away with our life. Um, we need new life, friends. We have, we have to cut off this impending doom and wrath. Like, we're stuck. Um, and until we get this life, we have no peace. Uh, you, you, like the walking dead, doomed to live out a tormented existence, chasing after the three main lies offered to such people. And what are these lies? So we got it here in Ephesians 2, 1. And, um, and the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we read here. It, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world. According to the ruler of the power of the air, the devil, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, the flesh, carrying out the inclinations, right? Um, so we have these, Paul mentions these things, three things that are working against us. So I sit there and ask myself, how does mankind try to find peace in this world, right? Through worldly things. Um, people try to find peace in false religions. Um, new age, spiritualism, monastic lifestyles, uh, crystals, they're a big hit now, new moon celebrations, vision quests, where you try to find out who you truly are. And this always reminded me of a G.K. Chesterton quote. It's like, wise men choose not to believe in God. They, uh, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing anything. Um, once again, he's smarter than I am, so that was his. Uh, what are other ways we try to find peace in this world? Diet and exercise? I mean, I don't, I don't know how many of those you can find out of the Bible, but we keep making them, the Daniel diet and all that. Um, or even, I've even heard of uh, the church of CrossFit. I think there was a whole thing on it on YouTube. Uh, we, we try to find peace in this world by saving the world. We're going to save it, right? Buy a Tesla, you know, recycle your cardboard. You know, uh, thank you, Greta, right? Um, or we, sometimes we search for the newest car or gadget or movie or game. Like, you know, the iPhone 14 and a half is the one that's going to solve our problems, right? Or it's got the M2 chip. Like, did you see that thing? Oh, my goodness. Like, thank, you know, we're at peace, finally. Oh, it's solved. Um, and then at the end of these lists, I'm going to put some of the ways that Christians sometimes get these things wrong as well. And here's, sometimes Christians think wrongly about the world, and they think that we're going to keep the world outside, right, to protect ourselves and our babies, right, keep them away from them. The problem with this is what Jesus said uh, in his high priestly prayer uh, in John 17, 15. He says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, right? They are not of the world, just I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, so I've sent them in the world. So the, the word, Bible, sanctifies us. And we got to get this in our minds right. The world does not infect us. We infect the world, right? We're on, we're on the side that's going to win in the end. Like, they're, they're the ones that, yeah, 
they teach your babies to love Jesus, right? Instruct them well. Don't be scared of the world. And it's come. Our God is strong. His arm is not short to save, right? Trust in him. Second point, the flesh. So how do people try to find peace in the flesh? Uh, we treat food wrongly. Uh, we, we indulge in it too much, or we become picky in what we eat. Either way, uh, we treat sex wrongly. Instead of using it for enjoyment and marriage and bringing new worshipers into this world, some take it without earning it. Uh, some give to those who are not worthy. Some sell it for profit. Some distort it for unnatural conditions. And uh, some desiring to control, cut it off from the ones that we're supposed to give to. Uh, we treat alcohol wrongly, where it should be used in celebration of the Lord of the vine, the Lord of the harvest. And to say, here is our good king that has given us, lavished on us all these things. We use it to numb ourselves to the ways of reality around us or celebrate debased things. We take medical advances through medication and we use them to our detriment. Instead of healing our bodies with them, we use them the way to numb ourselves to the realities of the world, of God's world around us and the sovereignty in it, his sovereignty in it. And sometimes in the Christians, or us, we think wrongly about the flesh and we go back to Gnosticism, which has been solved like, you think 1900 years ago, but like, we'll just do away with the body, right? And like, everything's spiritual and, and we'll just de- deny all the desires. No, like, God has given our body for good on this earth to do, do good things. And then the devil. How does the devil promise us peace? Well, mostly through lies. I mean, um, that's how, nothing short of what he did in the desert with Jesus. He's the father of lies. So what are some of those? Uh, a third alternate reality. Thanks, honey. Uh, where there's not heaven or hell, you can just be in this third place. You know, that's not a place that exists. Uh, you can just be good enough, right? Or find your neighbor, right? At least set your bar on your neighbor, and like that guy, he's rough. But I'm doing better than him, and so that's what's going to save me, right? Uh, or a good God wouldn't let people go to hell. Why would he do that? Uh, or there really isn't any hell. God's not a monster. Or, and, you know, or let's just, just, just forget all the shenanigans. Let's go on. God, there is no God. You know what? I'm God. I'm pretty neat. And uh, that's how that is. Uh, all lies. Um, sometimes Christians think wrongly about the devil. I, you got to get this. His power is allowed, Right? He is not in control of the world and the things that are going around here. He is allowed to do things uh, for God's sovereign will. He's a dog on a leash. These are not equal footing inside of a fight. Um, summation. So, we're dead. I think we got that one. There's the world, flesh, and the devil that are working against you. And all that sounds pretty darn hopeless. And then the two sweetest words in the Bible, but God. You get that, right? You get the scary part of that. Like, I got no control. It's like, it's like my daughter. I want, her, I want her to grow up and to be something beautiful. And I got, I got nothing to make that happen. I'm training, I'm trying. And, but it's just, this, it's just this sheer edge where I, I want things to happen but I have no will or capability to make them happen. It's the same with your salvation. It's, you may, may have good intentions, you may desire God, but you, you're not the one that saves. If you're the one that saves, then that is, 
you're not, you got to hold it. And your arm is not strong enough to save. I'm quoting Deuteronomy when I say that. Um, sorry. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Don't forget that. You nothing you did. He's going to drive that home a second, but that, that little phrase right there, you are saved by grace. Just go ahead and drive that one home. All right. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, not from yourselves. It is God's gift. It is not from works, so that no one can boast. He's really driving that home. It's not you, okay? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead a time for us to do. Yeah. Remember, so we got all the good news now. Remember the description? Like, bottom sea, all dark foreboding. I love that word, you know, ominous. There it is. And, but God, he goes to those ocean depths. He brings fallen humanity back to life. And he sets us upon the rock of salvation. Uh, we are no longer bound to serve those cruel masters. I, man, but we are still bound to serve a master. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he is a good master. Um, because God made us alive in Christ, we can now live like it. Right? You've been set up like you're alive. Like, thank God, right? You've been you've been made something new. You don't have to be like that anymore. You actually have a power to overcome sin. You have a, a power not to go fall into the desires of the flesh or to succumb to the foolishness of this world. Uh, and you can you know you have a good God and you've been set free in that. You have peace now. You have no, that, the, the counter word to that is enmity, I, I find. It's just, there's no more enmity between you and God. It's been settled. Um, so we're going to move on to point two. Uh, sorry, I, I move quickly when we go. All right, we're no longer children of wrath, and we have peace uh, with God and his church. Yeah, there it is. All right, so uh, Ephesians 11. Um, so then remember that at what time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At the time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant promises, covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. See, once again, it's, it's red. It's the sad part of, of the... And then it goes green again. But God... Or so, but now, sorry, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in His flesh. He had made no effect the law, uh, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that He might create in Himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so they might reconcile both. To God in one body through the cross which he put to hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. 
So then you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're also being built together being uh, for God's dwelling in the spirit. I like reading a lot of verses that way I get as little of the sermon wrong as possible. It's easier that way. Um, so um, I am about as close to being a Greek scholar as I am a doctor. But uh, the word uh, for peace, I went and looked it up, is irene um, in the Greek. Um, and uh, I was looking at, like, what, what do uh, the descriptors of this word, you know, like, uh, like in a thesaurus, whatever, uh, what are the descriptors of this word? And it's, it had this idea of one, or oneness, um, at the end. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's quite interesting. I mean, cause it's, well, clearly because of the text, because of the dividing wall, two men becoming one. Um, but I also started thinking about, like, that's one of the mysteries of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That there are three parts, but they're one. They're at peace with one another, right? And then we have this church of people from all kinds of backgrounds, and Christ is bringing them to one, right? And I really think that is the essence of, of peace that we have here, that we are all these separate things, and now we're being brought together. Um, and we do, yeah. So we start off as children in wrath. We too, and, and I'm quoting Ephesians 2.3, we all too previously lived among our flesh and desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children of wrath. And I think we fall into a pit here, wrongly, if we think that God, we, we do God an injustice when we think of this manner as mankind as this ambivalent entity enduring wrath. So like, oh, those, those poor folks, you know? Uh, but throughout the scriptures, throughout time, we're the ones that leave constantly. We, we, you get Adam in creation, and what happens? You get the line of set that goes on, uh, and then the, the rest just, they leave. And then God brings it to a head with Noah, and we start off again, and get them all, all in one, and what happens? Babel, like within weeks. Not weeks, it's probably years. But it's like, how fast did you do this? And then they're gone again, right? And they're just spreading out on the earth, not worshiping God. When just their dad was just right there, like, you know, getting direction from God. God calls Abraham to bless all the nations. He just pulls this guy out of the desert. He says, you, you're going to bless all nations, right? So you see God going after everybody, right? Not just a group of people. And, he lead, and even when we get from Abraham to Moses, and we, now we got Israelites, we're coming out of Egypt, uh, and in Leviticus, like God is even giving direction for foreigners and how they are to be treated. So it's not, you're like, oh, my covenant people Israel, right? Well, no, there, it's here, uh, Leviticus 19.33 and 34. When an alien resides with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You will regard the alien who resides with you as the native born among you. You were to love him as yourself, and you were, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, Right? He is, 
He is constantly drawing these people back, and we're constantly running away. If you want to hear a poem about that, I cut it out because it's super long. Uh, it, it's called The Hound of Heaven. And it, there's this part, it's like, he chased me down the years with maddening laughter. It, 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 is, it is beautiful. Um, but it's very long. It's like one of those epic, epic tomes of uh, English literature. Um, and then, so from Moses all the way to Malachi, right, and then 400 years of Maccabees, and then some angels appear to some shepherds, right, in Matthew 2, 13, 14. Suddenly there was a great multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth for people he favors. We got that word again, irony, right? Peace on earth. He's still coming back to get a people. And one final note of peace of wrath. We tend to place our earthly fathers. I, I do this. So that's why I, I wrote it. I sit there and think. We place our earthly fathers in the place of God the Father. And it's, it's super hard. Um, maybe you had a great dad. And when he, when he is a great dad, he is mirroring what Christ, what God the Father is, is doing. Sorry. He's, he's representing him correctly. But some of those, like, our earthly fathers left. They abandoned us. I'm here to tell you, God did not abandon you. And when you look at your father or you think of him, you don't even know who he is, that is not what is being represented at all through God the Father. He is like the, in the prodigal son, the one on the hill, looking, looking for his child to return. That, that is our picture of our God. He, he allows us to call him Abba, like Daddy. You know what I mean? This is an intimate relationship. He is not the one that left. He is the one that's waiting and says, come and see, come and come home. We see where our earthly fathers abused and mistreated us. God has sent his son to love us and lavish grace on us. He gave up his own son, right? Like that, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the first thing we start off with children of wrath and, um, we got good news in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you are far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is for the Jew and the Gentile both. At the opening of Ephesians, it's, it's to the saints in Ephesus, so it's clearly to, for the Christians. But Jew and Gentile both. They were far off, and they were children of wrath, but God, through the blood of Christ, has torn down the wall of hostility between two groups and made one. Um, yeah, rem- yeah, remember the descriptors of peace and the oneness. Like, I'm really trying to think, uh, think of all the things in the world that could divide us, like in this room. So basically, uh, what I'm trying to say here is like, we got a church of people, and y'all different. Like, uh, like, think of all the things that divide the world outside. And when we come in here, we're not divided over these things. Like, Race and, and people groups uh, that that should divide us, um, but in here uh, we're all we're all one. We've all been built together. Uh, language. This was an intro. Well, my wife's obviously foreign, and then uh, so that was a, always a thing to overcome. But um, when at one time at our first church, uh, once we we're married, uh, it was going bad. Uh, the pastor's getting kicked out and it's pretty sad and 
I got an assignment from work, and they said, you got to go to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And um, so I went, and it was a two-week assignment. And during the middle week, we had some friends that live in Achibaya, which is north, like an hour. And I mean, I know about as much Portuguese to get me by, you know, tudo bem leza, you know, sim gas, because I don't want bubbles in my water. Um, and, and, just, and just enough to, that's it. And um, so we get to their, uh, their place, it's called Parabla de Vida, it's the word of life, sem seminario, so it's a seminary there that they run, and they have a church adjacent to it. And then we get there inside the church, and you know, um, you know like uh, in The Hobbit, where they go into the Mirkwood Forest, and all the dwarves, maybe y'all don't, okay, but they get, they get lost like halfway through that thing, right, because they said stay on the path, stay on the path, and they don't, they don't get, they get off the path. One gets in the water, they don't know what's going on. And like that's what I felt like my life was right now. I'm like, this is a good preacher back at home. Like he's getting tossed out. Like, what is what is going on? And um, and then they pull out like 500 plastic chairs, right? And and these people become they just worship God. I have I have very little knowledge of what they were saying. I mean, Dios, I can that one's God, right? Uh but they love Jesus. I'm 5,000 miles away from my church, right? And I, I see, it's like, it's like when uh, Bilbo's got enough sense to go climb a tree and stick his head up, and he gets a breath of fresh air. Friends, God's building his church everywhere around this earth, right? If, if we stop worshiping here, worshiping here don't, you believe me, it's happening down there. It's happening all over. We're not the ones that hold our salvation. We're not the one building the church. His hand is not short to save, and it continues on. Language should divide us, but it doesn't. We're all tribes and tongues, and we'll be at the end of days. And we're singing praises to our great God. You'll learn a new song, and it'll be glorious, and the tongue you never knew. Um, wealth, poverty, some of us are rich, some of us are poor, some are great with money, some are bad with it. But we're all here, right? Uh, the simple and the intellectual... Like, you know, I'm from Stone County, Missouri. I got a public education. So, you know, well, thank goodness I'm welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, peoples, uh, I mean, we got peoples from brokenness and sin. You know, when I, when I told that story about abandonment and, and your, your old man beating on you, like, that, that, that grabbed you. Like, and then some of us have no idea what that's like. We, like, I don't even, like, you know, you're like, I don't even know how to, feel that emotion, right? Because I've never even seen anything like that in my life. Um, we got the strong, and we got the weak. I mean, our sister's at home right now with her daughter, right? Because she couldn't make it here today. And she's still part of us. She is still one with our church. I'm talking about Kelly. Um, Jesus unites all these things and more under his church, through his blood, to God the Father. Um, so, that should end. No longer children wrath, and we have peace with God in His church. We're going to go and move on. Do we get it all? Man, you're on it today. All right. So, um, I want to read Ephesians one uh, through. Let's see here. Fourteen. So yeah, we're going back a little bit. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, to the faithful saints of in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us, the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the, his good pleasure and his purpose in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance, it's good news. We've been, we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that he who had already put our hope uh, in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him also, you, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you also believed, were sealed with him with the promise of the Holy Spirit, he is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Um, once again, I just keep reading a bunch of it and that way I get less wrong. Uh, go to the next one. Yeah, okay, so there. You know, you get it all. Look at Those are the things you get when you're a new creation in Christ. Um, you'll hear all the words, but I'm not going to call them all out individually. But uh, it starts off at Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with some of the spiritual blessing. No, all, every spiritual blessing, right? So he didn't hold back. I really want to. So what's the first one? We get justification. That's a pretty good one to have. Uh, Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. God now sees you through his son. You have a... And, and we got to get the double imputation uh, here. Uh, not only do we not see the sins gone away, like this is great, like God doesn't see your sin anymore, you show up, what are you? You're nothing. You, you didn't do anything bad, but you didn't do anything good, right? So you're just this neutral entity in front of him. That's where the righteousness of Christ comes in. We get both of those things. So not only all his good works are now our good works, so when you're justified before God, you're not only removing the sin, but you also get his good works. Um, I'm going to, uh, and to, I think, drive that home, I'm going to use this. Uh, it's called the Awesome uh, Parable. Um, it's old. I can't even find out who Awesome is, but here it goes. There's a king, and he is walking around his kingdom, as it were, around the perimeter of it. And far off in the field, he sees uh, a small child. We're talking four, four years old or so. And they're out in the field, um, and they're picking a bouquet. And he can also make out the king's colors. So now he knows that that's his bouquet. So every morning they go out and pick flowers for him. So he sees this kid out there, and he's grabbing the weeds and the thistles, along with maybe a wildflower or two. And then they're putting it on the king's ribbon, right? The, his colors. And um, he sees all this going down. So he walks down, and he tells his older son, he says, when the younger one shows up, 
you go up there and you make those right. He put thistles and he put weeds and all those things in there. And the older, older son says, yes, sir. He, he goes out and meets the younger at the door. And he said, yeah, I brought the flowers for, for father of the king. And um, the older son takes the flowers and he takes the thistles and he takes the weeds and he removes them. And then he goes to the father's garden and he grabs the father's flowers and he puts them in the bouquet and finishes off the bouquet and then gives it back to the little boy. And with little smiles, he walks all the way to the king and hands him his own flowers, right? Like, that's, that's what you're giving. It's a parable. Obviously, God's the king. Uh, the older brother is. Anybody? Yeah, thank you. And uh, who's the little kid? That's right. Oh, my goodness. You guys, what a group of people. All right. Um, so... We go, we do our good works, right? We, and we're, we're, we're trying to get after them. But Jesus is making them pure. He is making, he's putting the right flowers in there for presentation. And, and the whole time, God is seeing his works and not, not ours. Um, and then the, I think the last one on justification, like when you, you're going to go out, right? And you're going to, Obviously, sin again. All right, and then you got you got two options basically. You can go. Jesus paid for this. Thank you, Jesus, that this has been paid for. Or you know you can just fester around in it for a bit, let it marinate. You know for three days, and basically what you're doing is is you're saying that you're paying some sort of penance in that situation. You got to remember you have been saved, right? You're not, being, you're not being saved in that sense that you were justified completely. You don't need to marinate in it anymore. You need to say, thank God this has been dealt with. And pick yourself up and move forward in the gospel. Move forward in faith that he has paid all these things. And go and live accordingly. Um, I wrote it down a lot prettier than that. Maybe I should have read it. Um, lavished. I don't, this isn't really a blessing. I just love this word, right? It's like, it's like, oh, no, Laura's in here for this. I thought of this this morning. So, like, when Laura puts uh, mayonnaise on bread, it's the thinnest layer of mayonnaise that you've ever seen. And then there's, like, one piece of meat on there. And she's like, here you go. And I'm like, what? where's the sandwich? And, <laughs> and so, like, mine, mine, when I grab, it's like a, like, it goes flop, right? And then... I spread it, and a piece of mayonnaise falls off the side, right? And then it's like, eh, not half the stack of meat this time, maybe just a third. And then, and then, like that. Like, that's how God's giving us grace. Like, he is, it is full, right? You've not, you've not been shortchanged in this situation. Uh, he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You have abundance every day and thereafter. The next one is uh, sanctification, it says in verse 8, you, have, you are saved by grace through faith and not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Uh, I just want to I want to uh, just deal with this uh, a Pelagian lie. Uh, Semi-Pelagianism is just a dumber version of Pelagianism. But um, basically where you earn your righteousness 
right? Like, I don't know how many times he's got to say in one chapter that you don't earn your righteousness, right? Or where God does some of it, and then you, you do the rest. Um, and uh, there's a guy out, uh, his name is D, uh, Elder D.J. Ward in Frankfort, Kentucky. He's dead now. Uh, he's on in heaven. Uh, but he phenomenally covers this in death. But, like, if God did not pay it all, you're still dead, right? He is not a God worth praising. It, he's a false God, and you should go somewhere else. But I'm telling you, he paid it all. He covered all of it. He lavished all over the top of that thing. And there is not a part that is not covered. And it, later we're going to sing, Jesus paid it all. Uh, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. And all to him we owe, right? I was like, I hope I got that right, right? And when you sing that, know that like, if he paid part of that stuff, you're still dead in your sins. But he is, he is, he's done away with the uh, enmity, you are, you are covered completely. Um, you've been adopted into God's family. It says that sons, it says adopted as sons, which contextually, back in the day, like the women folk didn't get an inheritance, right? But you said you've been adopted by sons. He knows he's talking to women when he says that. So you, you have an inheritance with God Almighty. You get, your dad is the father that has a cattle on a thousand hills, right? It, there's no end to his abundance. Like, what does the world have to give you now that has anything to do or comparable to that? It, it's pithy. We keep running back to these empty vessels, uh, and we need. Uh, and when our, our Father has uh, given us lavishly, He has blessed us with everything that we need. So find your peace in Him, uh, and and run back to your Father. Um, you got direct access from God, and one day you will see him face to face. You don't need a priest to mediate between you. I don't have to go down to the local uh, bull shop, give me a bull, so I can give it to Seth, so he can cut it up, so God's going to hear what i got to say. Right? Jesus shed all the blood that we need. There are no more needs for sacrifices. Right? That's why this whole self-loathing thing of when you sin is just insane. There's nothing to do. You're not building anything. Um, so, and we, and we get to talk to God directly. That is crazy, right? Like, you say, thank God for this day. And he hears you. And he's like, you know, you're welcome. Like, this is, it's amazing that you could, he would write a book to you Right and communicate effectively to you, and then you can communicate effectively back to him. Um, and then finally, we got peace of oh, not finally, but peace of mind and assurance. Uh, Ephesians one thirteen. In him also, when you heard the word of truth of the gospel, of your salvation, you believed him, and you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that sealing is and that assuredness of faith. I mean that that drives me to to uh, peace. Um. And I'm trying to remember an illustration I had for this. I don't, it doesn't happen for very long, but every once in a while in your life, like all your all your things are you know like not scattered on the floor. It's cleaned, right, and they're up, and no children have just rent them throughout the house, and like all the bills are paid, and I don't think you owe any money to taxes this year, and you're like, wow, this is. You're kind of in this place. So it's like I don't think there's anything really to do. Like it's it's peaceful. It's nice that things have been settled and put in place. 
I, find, I, I, I remember that. It's just like that feeling is the same type of feeling I get when I think of I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, these things have been done. I don't have to work for them anymore. And it's just, uh, it's very calm. <laughs> I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, no longer do you have to strive amongst men to be the first or the best or the prettiest or the smartest. God thinks you're great because he thinks his son is great. You know, you know how hard that, I mean, like, what a relief. What a relief that is. Um, and finally, eternal life. You're not eternally dead anymore. You get to live with God forever in heaven. Uh, you've, what more do you want, right? What kind of list is that? And it doesn't even stop there. I, I've done a trifle example of all these things. Like God, God is lavished on us. That's why I love that word. Well, uh, moving on. What do we got next? Uh, what should you do now? How now should you live? That's a Francis Schaeffer reference. It's a fantastic series. If you want to... So Christian, um, believe. That's your work. That was it. That was simple, right? Uh, there's no imperatives in the first three chapters of Ephesians. It's like, go do this thing, right? It doesn't say any of that. In fact, it doesn't even say believe. It just says you are, right? It just it says you are made new. You are these things. That's crazy, right? Like you go walk outside and the people are going to tell you to go do stuff, right? Go earn your way. There isn't a religion on this earth other than Christianity that says, oh, you're good, right? No, they say like, no, you got to work off this bad debt and you got to keep getting after it like constantly. Uh, what, a, what a peaceful religion. <laughs> you don't have to go... Uh, but you got to get that right. That's why he spent three chapters on it, right? And then now you got four, five, and six. Like, I'm not going to do all the work for you. Go read it. Right? It tells you plenty of things to go do, uh, right? It tells you how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a mother and a father. It tells you what to do in your church, how to live with integrity. And, but all of it is based on what is Jesus has already done on your behalf. For those that are not under the blood of Christ, you're still children of wrath. The world and its wisdom have nothing eternally for you. Um, repent and believe. Um, have peace. Come, rest in the work that Christ has done. Um, that's it. I want to pray.